Welcome to Machine Learning. Thoughts. Well, it's been a an interesting week. Uh, been hitting the Stack Overflow on answering Python questions, and uh, some of the questions were pretty good. I uh, uh, realized that Python doesn't have a, a lot of libraries for handling JSON uh, strings, searching in nested dictionaries, uh, removing items from nested dictionaries. And so what you do is uh, you, you work with a lot with uh, uh, the pandas loc function and uh, utilize the key to do the removing. Um, when you traverse a tree, you have to do it recursively. So while it's a dictionary item, you're, uh, you're pushing the state up on the stack and you're by calling the function itself recursively. And um, that allows you to keep track of the marker if, uh, if you have dictionaries within dictionaries or list within list. Uh, and so then what you end up with is a... Uh, a list of um, of uh, of uh, um, keys, and then at the bottom you would have your value. So, it, and so the leaf is where your value is, and that's where you start popping off the stack, or else pop off the function stack, and returning back to a previous parent node and then uh, 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 pushing all of the siblings onto this onto the stack or on onto your list uh, which would be your leaf list and then then when you want to go in the reverse what you would do is uh, you would parse the uh, lists that are are being generated at each leaf so each leaf then would uh, generate a complete list and uh, then you would um, uh, pop off all of the parent-child in that tree up to the root and you could then reassemble and build a nested dictionary as a result of, of that and uh, build the nested dictionary from a, a string. So you, basically you build a, a string uh, which is concatenated using a delimiter separator and then you, when you uh, separate that you can rebuild your dictionary items until you get uh, your nested, your, your nested uh, dictionary. So it's it is pretty challenging to do uh, replacements. Like say, for example, if you want to remove a, an item from a nested dictionary, you have to know the parent index. So like if you had parent and then you have a child and then in that child you want to remove an element, then you would have to do uh, the dictionary, the parent key, and then the child key, and then you could uh, could uh, delete that that element so delete that at that particular element 
And so if you go even, if that's for two levels down, so if you go three levels, you would have three levels of indexing. If you go four, you would have four levels of indexing, etc. So <coughs> removing things off of a tree, nested uh, dictionary is not straightforward and easy. So it's, uh, I know there's a, a structure called the tree structure and you could put everything in a node and then what, all you would have to do is uh, delete that particular node in the tree uh, to remove an item. So anyway, those were some of the interesting JSON problems that I solved over the weekend. Uh, I've solved about 130 questions and uh, up in the top 6% for the year. And... Uh, Looking to get like a million views. That's that's the goal is to get a million views. And so I'm answering lots of Python questions. And some of them are kind of interesting. Like one person was trying to use an LSTM, long short term memory, uh, Keras network to do a image recognition on a motion. So he uh, had a number of uh, pictures and they different emotional expressions were being expressed on them. And then he had a multi-level layer label output using a soft softmax and uh, was trying to predict uh, probability of that, that person's emotion state based on attributes that the deep learning had uh, had classified. So there, maybe, maybe they're, um, in the hidden layer, maybe it was picking up certain edge detections, and if it were certain types of edge detection tensions around the mouth or eyes, then he might it might uh, uh, classify that as a probability of maybe angry, or if the eyes are more open, so more circular, and uh, mouth is maybe more open, then maybe there's a gesture of that might be a motion of surprise. So anyway, depending on what his labeling was, which he didn't provide, uh, then you could feed that through the Keras network and let the hidden layer uh, classify those emotions and tell you the probability of the, that emotional state. So again, you know, it's, uh, the, it's interesting because the deep learning picks up on the features. You don't, you don't have to figure out what features to are important like like you do in machine learning using uh, covariance and variance and uh, uh, mean, mean squared error, mean absolute error, Hoover, etc. You know, there's, uh, there's we, you don't have to try to figure out which feature is contributing and which wasn't and which is, you know, adding noise to the network. The deep learning automatically adjusts for the, for those uh, for the non-contributing and the contributing features. So, uh, uh, and he wasn't using. Interesting enough, he wasn't using a CNN, a convolution neural net, which would have uh, would have done somewhat similar. It's, uh, convolution neural nets are used because they're more efficient in terms of. Uh, how they generalize the pixelation around the, each pixel and its neighboring pixels. So they, it creates a convolution uh, square and 
then feeds that into the network. Um, but the LSTM has it has the ability to figure out which uh, information is relevant and which ones are not relevant. That's why they're they're used is uh, is because of, of that feedback loop. It's kind of like a hop field. It it has a feedback mechanism, and and because of that, um, it can learn from past data and and figure out what features are important. I've used the LSTM in uh, data prediction with like um, weather and uh, trying to figure out temperature on weather. It was pretty accurate. It was, uh, you could like go one day back and where your LSTM is looking one day back or you can have it look three days back. In my case, I had it go three days back and um, it was a little bit more accurate at three days for predicting the weather. And then you, the interesting thing is, is you, you know, you have a certain data sample, you know, and I think I had like two years of data that was trained on. So, you know, you definitely couldn't uh, claim it was a generalized network, but still the concept uh, was interesting to watch the graphs and watch the predictions and um, they there's also possibility you could use it with uh, you know stock predictions and some some people are doing that where they're using LSTMs to predict stock. I I personally like to just use change percent because the future is unknown. Even if the future were an algorithm, uh, which is that's what LSTM is proposing is that the future is an algorithm based on the past. It. Uh, you still have the incompleteness of the past. It doesn't represent all the possibilities that could occur in the future. And so there, it's at best just a guess, uh, a probability. And so, you know, if, if the probability is good enough, uh, looking forward, you know, a few days, then you might be able to have more wins than you have losses. But you're always gonna get the black swan where you know, the past did not ap accurately reflect the possibilities of the future. So, uh, again, I'm about 20% through my data engineering, and uh, it's a little less exciting uh, than the machine learning. Uh, you spend a lot more time thinking about data and and how you get the into an ETL form. So you, you, you basically put it in a Python, ETL functions, uh, connect to your database, extract that data, uh, transform it. You know, it could be uh, feature engineering where you create new features and then load the data up into a warehouse. And that can all be scheduled using uh, a, a dynamic, uh, acyclic graph in airflow and you can set your upstream downstream between the states and then you could have task uh, created like you could have a python operator task a bash operator task and basically these are uh, then put in a python script and then copied over 
to the airflow uh, run directory. And then once it picks, sees the, the Python file in there, it has a process where it runs and uh, registers it. And then you, through an interface, you can see your, your, uh, your scheduled uh, uh, process, tasks to, to, or your DAG to be run. And uh, it's uh, pretty interesting because the DAG you, is it tells it uh, you know what uh, hour to run it, what minute, what second, uh, what day of the week, what day of the month, what uh, day, which uh, which month to run it on out of the year, and uh, so you can get some really uh, specific types of of. Um, scheduling and it's it's based on the cron scheduling format there's five variables that you can you can set in your DAG and uh, then you just set up your your DB engine which gives you access to your database and then uh, using uh, Python it then will extract using the like SQL alchemy or something like that uh, the DB engine uses your connection string username password the database and then you can write your sequels for your extraction uh, it will then convert that into data frame you transform it and then you load it back into your data warehouse and you can just have it scheduled using airflow and so just with uh, basically open source you have a lot of power in terms of uh, uh, setting your data up for consumption for machine learning.